Hello, listeners. Welcome to Freelance Friday with Vay Casey. It's a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experience of freelancers. Today on the show, we've got Jasmine Honor. Say that right. Anwar. 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 Wow. Anwar. Anwar. See, this is something I should have done before we started recording. But here we are. (laughs) Here we are. It's like we could always go back. No, this is Freelance Friday. (laughs) This is true documentary work. This is true exposition. (laughs) It's just, it's, fuck it, we're doing it live. All right. Here we are. (laughs) Onward. Jasmine Onward. There we go. This is not the first time that I've mispronounced somebody's name on a show. Elisa Fisher. Yeah. So it could be very common to be Alyssa is a name, right? Alyssa. But then she's Elisa. But then I also have a friend whose name is Elissa. <laughs> and so I had all three of these going through my head and I said the wrong one. Was this when you first met her though? No, this is on the podcast oh on God. her interview. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my God. So like I said, it's not the first time that okay, I've done this. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of funny. Well, thanks for coming on to the show today. Thanks. So Jasmine uh, was also is a former Weld member. It's where we met and we've never really like, I don't feel like we've ever really talked or really gotten to know each other very well. Um, I mean, how long were you there before things kind of ended? Six uh, months? A, a year, year, kind of? A, a year. year? Yeah, I was there off and on. I was probably just in the back corner. Yeah, and I had a desk at an office at that point a <laughs> yeah. lot. And so I was kind of over in my own world a lot more yeah. at that point, I feel like. Definitely. Um, yeah, so it's cool to be able to kind of, <laughs> it's cool to be able to connect and to kind of get to know each other a little bit, at least. Me get to know you a little bit. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, got a lot of mutual friends. Uh, once again, thanks for coming on. Why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about what you do? Um, What's your story? My name is Jasmine Anwar. Anwar, not Honor. <laughs> and I am a architecture and commercial photographer based here in Dallas. Um, I specialize in interiors mostly and um, for hospitality and... Um, I'm born and raised here in Dallas, so I'm a Southern girl, you could say, in a sense. Um, but I fell in love with photography when I was younger and took the took the path. I went to school for photography, and then um, after that, I've chosen the freelance path, and here we are. So you've always kind of known what you wanted to do. In a sense, um, I liked to draw when I was younger, but I wasn't very good at it, and then I was introduced to photography and I could see all those compositions and things that I wanted to draw. I could easily accomplish all those things in the same frame. And so it just kind of grew from there. And um, I was always in like AP art or something like that. And I always had professors and teachers that encouraged me to do photography. And so it just like, it really just, yeah, organically grew and now here we are, like I said. So that's really cool. It's a. Uh, it's not too dissimilar from my story, just in that I've always like since I was a little kid, loved music, loved photography, yeah, I've loved, loved cameras, art. just always. Yeah, my my mom can draw really well. Everybody, um, that side of the family, they can all draw, and uh, there's a lot of creativity in my family, and so there was never any reason why I couldn't be creative, and so it definitely just kind of grew from yeah, that. That's cool. It's really helpful to have a family that's like nurturing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And allow you to flex those muscles at a young age. Yeah. What a, 
you mentioned that the uh, that you kind of would have stuff in your head that you would want to draw. Yeah. Like scenes or frames. Yeah. You've all, I mean, have you like, always kind of just been able to like visualize stuff like this well, or where you like think if that- you sat in, like I sat in a drawing class and you're, they're like, draw this still life. And I see this crazy composition or something like that. I couldn't necessarily translate that to the page. Like, you know, I could get a general, I mean, like, it, I mean, I grew up with a lot of talented artists and so, you know, the level is set high and I wanted to draw that well, but it just didn't always work necessarily and so once I picked up the camera then it was so easy for me to like see that and I can create all those textures or whatever it is that I wanted to do I could create it and it'd be like the same thing almost so um kind of more like that fine art side you know just Mm -hmm. like the base like your your uh, principles of art basically like you could I could do that just with photography and so I think that's where the love grew when did, like, how old were you whenever that kind of that shift began? I was in high school, I think. Okay. Like, I was in. It's a little more older. Kind of yeah, like I was like, I was like taking a college level art class is the thing. And so like, and I did all, I had to do some drawing and painting and other things. And then like my personal portfolio, I was able to do all digital and just like create the work that I wanted to. And just, I didn't have to be stuck to drawing, even though it was like, what was it like? 2D design or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, but they encouraged me to do 2D design in whatever way you wanted. So I did photo. I was the only one, but. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> what a. So then, I mean, after high school and you said you went to college for photography, right? Yes. I played two years of college volleyball. Um, so I did that first and I did all my basics at a junior college and then I transferred and did art after that. So it was like I did basic college and then just art school and then freelance. And did you, I mean, was that your end game in mind already kind of going into it? Of like, I want to freelance and be an entrepreneur when I get done with this or what was, what no, was going through your head? I mean, like you're not really taught that in school is the thing. Mm-hmm. You're at least where I went to school. Yes, you know, like they, a freelance degree. Yeah, like you, I mean, you might as well just get a business degree. Mm -hmm. That's what you're going to do. I mean, yeah, they did. Eventually towards the end, you're like, oh, wait, there are no jobs for me fresh out of school that if you actually want to like touch a camera necessarily. So it's hard and you're competing with, I mean, you have UNT as well. I went to Texas A&M Commerce. You have people from Austin. I mean, there's a lot of competition. So if you wanted to be a photo assistant per se at Fossil even and, um, I didn't really realize that there wasn't a job for me until like I was like, oh, like, wait, uh, you look at the re- you read the requirements and you're like, well, I'm not qualified for that, like fresh out of school. So what am I going to do? I'm going to have to figure this out now. At least I was still in college and I was trying to figure out like what I was going to, yeah. <laughs> how I was going to manage once I graduated. And because I wanted to be able to support myself always and um just kind of, I just had to figure it out. And then eventually one teacher was like, yeah, you're probably going to be a freelancer. Like, this is like the life that you're going to have. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, okay, I can, I can, man, I think I can figure this out. Like, and now that I know what it is that <laughs> yeah, I need to Yeah, they were do. like, no, like, okay, yeah, I, no, you're, most people in your profession are freelancers. And I was like, thank you. At least somebody said it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> at least somebody was like, huh. <laughs> like, 
thank God, like at least somebody <laughs> told me because or else I'd be I'd be lost. Like, I mean, it's it's a big sea to navigate just like mm-hmm. any other career. Mm-hmm. So. What? So like at what point did this, did you start having this kind of realization? I was like a junior in um, college. So probably going like a year, year a and a year, half left. I had like a year you left. Done. I did was five years. So yeah, I was like really my my fourth year in school. Okay. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm just lucky I have this extra year. Like, they're making me take this extra year. So like, <laughs> It's actually helpful for me. Yeah, it gives I was me a like, little more okay, time I'll to... just spend more time doing this and not force it. So, yeah, I had a little bit more time to um, kind of figure out a game plan at least. So were you at that point starting to, like, do supplemental education stuff to try to learn how what to do freelance-wise? Or, like, what, or like, what are you doing as far as I to took a to... class in school, and they had a, um, it was a, it was a business class for freelancers. Like, creative freelance business class. And we were, we all got to focus, you know, if you were a designer, photographer, illustrator, whatever, you know, whatever you did. And then my professor would make us, you know, Come up with a business plan, figure out your cost of doing business, put together an estimate for a huge project, design a logo, design your website, like design your business cards, make sure that like you are presentable, like do do a mock interview for a job or like that. Yeah, we had to do that. Um, what else did we have to do? We had to present our portfolio. We had to pitch, do a RFP. Mm-hmm. We had to do all that stuff. Which RFP is a request for proposal. Mm -hmm. So like if there's a company that is looking to hire a photographer, they may send an RFP out to a bunch of agencies or photographers to request a bunch of proposals. The one they can, then they can sift through and kind of pick who they want to hire for these things. Yeah. So I was doing that in college. And so I was felt like I was definitely set up for, Moderate success. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's not the very like, great story goal. that I've heard of people going through yeah. college so far. Yeah. I've, or a few of them at least that have been, I'm, I'm trying to think of the people I've had on, I think a, a, a lot of them worked at agencies for a little bit and then like moved out, like especially some of the designers. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, like at least, I'm think at least one or two of the other ones freelanced out of college, but it was never like one of them went to art institute or a couple of them went to art institute. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, there was never really any like classes as far as that kind of <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I was just lucky. I had a professor that he was a freelancer, and he uh, was okay. You know, he worked at Fossil also, mm. and so he had been on both sides. And he was like, "I was never taught this, and now I'm a teacher, so I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna just try to like spread the knowledge." Damn like good looking out, man. I know it was amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I took that class, and I was so happy I did because I I learned like everything that I needed to, and I had other professors that did make us like when I took architecture, my fabulous professor was like, this is what you need to do to make sure that you're making enough money. This is what it costs to do business. Add your rent in there, your water, your gas, like your internet, this, that, like all these, you need to add all that up and divide it and do the math. And that's what you need to do for every job. Like I had somebody at least like trying to root for us. Is yeah, the thing. They yeah. were trying to like prepare us for it. And so I was very grateful to that. And it definitely 
definitely helped out. That's for sure. That's cool. What, um, so then coming out of there as you're beginning to freelance, <clears throat> like what, for, first off, like as far as it's, it's interesting, one of the things that sticks out from what you were talking about is the whole like figuring out the cost of doing business and mm-hmm. kind of knowing what you need to be charging on the front end of stuff from somebody that's experienced in this industry. Yeah. Um, were you able coming out of the gate to just say like, this is my pricing and I'm sticking to it? I have gone the more organic route, I would say, as as a true like photography student. I ended up interning for Wade, who you know. Um, I met him through a professor because I was struggling to find somebody to intern for. I needed that for a credit. And he was like, email. I was cold calling people, emailing people, just finding somebody to spend. I mean, all I do is have to spend time with them and learn. And then they they would grade you based on what you did. And then they ask you if, you know, they'd said in my final thing, if they would hire me as an assistant and this and that. And so um, I was struggling to find somebody and then I met Wade. And so I started working with Wade. Um, He was so gracious to me. He answered my phone call on a whim. And then he eventually started to hire me as an assistant in that process. And so I was able to just kind of grow from that. And I, kind of set that off to be like my platform to being freelance. It's not too much pressure. You'll get to shoot probably a little bit, but you'll grow. You'll get the opportunity to learn. You can surround, you can choose who you want to surround yourself with. And so I would just look at people whose work I loved, whose work I admired and I wanted to work with them. And I would just send them emails. I was already compiling a list of those people while I was in school. So once I graduated and I had the time, to actually work, um, I could just send the emails and be done. That was kind of my thought process throughout like the end of my college career, I would say. It was, I was starting to work with Wade and he was like, he hired me for my first job then. And I was like, yes, I did it. And then um, just kind of grew from there again. Like I just was like, I was like, no, I can do this. And I did it. So that was kind of how it happened you just got to make it happen I would say yeah yeah mm-hmm. did you shoot a lot whenever you were in college I shot a lot I was I mean I took commercial we were we were pushed to shoot a lot in school was it specifically like a photography art like art no like photography I mean like I took you know, commercial was- photography so we'd have lighting tests that we had to do I would go like when I took architecture and when I ended up realizing that's what I wanted to do, we would have to go shoot interiors, exteriors, um, you know, shoot a whole building at, you know, learn how to shoot dusk, learn how to shoot dawn. Like our classes were very project focused to hopefully, you know, have success. Like we had to take multiple studio classes before we could take commercial photography. And so you're, I was exposed to good work and what, that was the level of expectation. And so I think that's how it just kind of shaped me. Like that was what I wanted to do. And um, it just, that was the exposure I had. So it was a little different. It's not quite, it was kind of similar to like an art institute, you would say. Okay. But it was like, it's like, a, it's still just a public university. They just had a good art program. So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really rad. What a... So you said that through the process that you at some point kind of identified, all right, I really like architecture mm-hmm. and I want to do this. Mm-hmm. 
So then I guess, are you, you said like leading up that you had been making a list of contacts. Are mm-hmm. you just finding like a bunch of architect or photographers specifically? Anybody, or? Food photographers, like people that shoot jewelry, people that shoot anything. Because like ultimately at the end of the day, what you learn once you're out of school is that everything kind of connects and you can take, I can take what I've learned from shooting interiors and apply it to shooting a watch. It's the same thing. And so like, I just wanted to indulge myself basically for lack of better words, just like submerse yourself in all types of photography and then make sure that's really what you want to do. Also, like you're not getting paid for it yet, but you're on the back end and you can see if you like it or not is the thing. Yeah, You can experience things and decide like you can learn from other people without having to make some of those mistakes also is the thing. Like you can just observe and be like, okay, well, if I was, if this was my production, like I would run it a little slightly differently because of X, Y, Z. And so Mm -hmm. it was just like, also, because I did have a professor told me, he was like, you're going to start assisting and every, you're going to be like, why did I even go to school? Like I've learned so much more in one year that I learned in like the five years I was in school. And it was so true. It was so true. It was just like mind boggled. Like I didn't touch a camera for a year is the thing. I just observed. I just, so do you think you would go, like if you could go back and do it again, would you do school again? You think it was worth oh, yeah. it? Yeah, definitely. Why? What's the, like I, if you, if, if you learn more after I, that year, I like, was, I was so much further ahead than people from you I would meet people that graduated from UNT and they didn't know how to handle a stand they didn't know how to put up a softbox they didn't know like how to fold and break down things I was taught that in school is the Mm. thing I was you're like we were like groomed to be little perfect photo assistants like as soon as you graduated is the thing along with the other so they're like more or less like prepping you to learn how to be a good photographer yeah definitely versus prepping you to be a photographer exactly like that's just like one more phase in that yeah they're like it was, like a, it was an extra layer kind of, okay. it was an extra layer like i mean yeah i thought about going to unt and not that i don't know amazing people from there and people that are successful business owners and that are talented and but like i just felt like once i met some certain people that had similar like educational experience to me i was so bit i was just grateful for what i had had so that it really kind of just helped me kind of separate myself from people like that. I was already a little like a step or two ahead of them. I didn't have such a big learning curve. So, okay. Yeah. What, uh, was there anything that you felt like you had to unlearn coming out of school or kind of Any like rules or anything that you, I don't know. I kind of think of like music. I mean, definitely. It's like, oh, well you, they always say that you can't break the rules until you learn them. Right, right, right. It's the same thing. I mean, I can't really think of anything. I just felt like I was so well prepared and I kind of knew how, you know, we were, we had access to studios and we would just, you know, all my friends, we were all in the studios every night during school. We were learning how to run photo shoots is the thing. We were directing each other and, shooting each other and telling each other what to do. And you don't even realize that you're learning those skills. And so like, it was, I mean, it's just an experience you can't really, I don't think that I, I, yeah, I didn't have to unlearn anything. I just, I just was able to go is the thing. That's cool. Yeah. It's been 
it's been interesting and kind of humbling to talk to people that have gone to school and to hear their stories are like, oh yeah, it was great. Or yeah, I would go back and do it again mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. Because my, uh, those people listening might be like, dude, you've talked about this a few times already. <laughs> I didn't have the, necessarily the greatest experience with college mm-hmm. a little bit and felt like I had to take classes that was just bullshit basically. I'm like, why are you teaching me? Like I could have taught this class 10 years ago. Why am I paying for this? And then it got to a point where I'm like, I can make a living doing what I want to do right now. Why am I going to go to school for yeah. and I mean, five I years know, or however long? Yeah. And I know plenty of people that never went to school and are successful and that are talented and have had no issue. You don't have to go to school to right, do right, it. Right, right, right. Also, it was like, my parents were like, you're going to get a degree and it doesn't matter what it's in. Like you will have a degree. <laughs> and so I also respect that opinion as well. You know, at least I can always fall back. on I have a degree. I can do something with it. And um, my degree was also in like kind of graphic design as well. So I'm pretty proficient in other things like Illustrator and Premiere and doing other things like that. So I could always do that. It's not my strong suit, I would say. I'm kind of slow um, as far as like a graphic designer and developing that idea faster. And I was able to learn that in school is the thing. Um, But at the end of the day, I was glad that I did it and I would never not suggest that at least give it a shot yeah you know what uh so do you do anything besides architecture photography Mm -hmm. i do food product anything except i don't really shoot much lifestyle yet and like people i have i have done it before and um it's been part of projects i've been a part of but um, mostly that then do you mark, what do you like, what do you market yourself as? Or how do you talk about yourself as like, this is what I do? It depends on the audience I'm targeting. Um, I think that here in Dallas, we are so grateful to have so many opportunities. We can be selective in our audience and I can target specifically architecture clients and not have to worry about agencies and other things like that, because that is totally separate. And I can then, target those specifically and not market myself as just an architecture photographer. I can be like, look, I can do more because this, this is my specialty. It translates into other things. And so I feel like you can't, you can do that is the thing. Like I don't have to be um, so specific necessarily, but I can be specific in the way that I target people. So basically you stand out in different people's, minds as a different type of photographer basically yeah like like here's an example so here's something I would do over again I would so the first place I ever showed my book at was the Richards group I'm this little itty bitty girl in this big building and I got Mm -hmm. my iPads and my bagels and my, my business cards and I'm ready. (laughs) I would, they were the, they were the first people to email me back and I was shocked. And the art buyer there was like, I love your work. Come in whenever you want. We do portfolio showings. I think it's on Fridays, Friday mornings from nine to 11 PM, nine to 11 AM. And that's it. So I go up and, I mean, I should have shown them my other work is the thing. I only showed them my interiors and the big, grand, beautiful exteriors and pretty spaces. When I know that's not necessarily, they don't necessarily have anything, but they might buy an image from me is the thing. 
you know, they might have, I might shoot a hospital or something and they might, you know, do design for that hospital and they would purchase the image that way. That's what I thought. Now I should have shown them my beautiful food stuff. I should have shown everything, but I didn't. (laughs) And I was trying to be too focused is the thing. And I didn't open myself up to that. I didn't, I was like, no, they aren't going to appreciate that work because it's not the top quality that they're used to. You know, it was just me testing but no, I should have shown them that thing. I should have been a little more open and I would do that over again. What? So what happened after that experience? Um, um, Anything come of it? Um, No, I have like the list of people that looked at my stuff and the art buyer isn't there anymore. So now I can get a do over and I can re, I can re-represent, I can present myself in a different way again if I got that opportunity again. And so, um, no, nothing really came of that. But after... What I gained from that was the experience, just like going and doing like, this is my brand. This is me. And this is, this is my work. That's, that was what I gained from it was the confidence to, you know, know that I was like representing my brand is the thing. And, you know, trying to just network and navigate the, this crazy sea (laughs) of freelancing. Yeah. So then going from there, what was your like, how, I mean, how did you go about getting business? I, like, um, you know, I look up to many people like Wade and some other friends that I worked for. And, you know, I just like, I just started talking to them. I was like, okay, what did you do? Like when you were me, like, what were you doing? How did you, how did you reach out to people? How did you get the face-to-face interview with that art buyer? How did you present yourself to that architect. Like, how did you do that? And so I just picked people's brains, like, and so you just compile all this information and yeah, you know, maybe try, try sending out those quarterly e-blasts or an e-blast every other month, you know, try whatever it is your other friend recommended. So I've just been trying to, and I still do it now, just like all of us, we all you know, ask each other these same questions. And so I've just, just trial and error and just see what works, you know. I try to send out that quarterly e-blast. Like, at least they can see once a month I'm shooting something new, whether it's for a client or if it's for myself. At least I'm producing something new. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the goal ultimately, isn't it? Like, that's the goal that we're all trying to do. Is Keep just, telling them that story. I'm still here. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, still here. around. I'm, I'm still doing around. this thing. Yeah, I'm not like, going anywhere. Yeah. And you're just, I just nitpick other people's brains just to see what they do and what they did when they were in the same situation as me and how they overcame, you know, the same hurdles and just see if it works for me as well. So So there, you mentioned that you will like talk to yourself or market yourself differently to different audiences. Mm -hmm. How do you like practically like what, how do you actually do that? So is it like, are you messaging people on LinkedIn or are you doing Facebook ad buys or yeah, are you following, I'm following on Instagram? Are you all of the above going into agent? Like what's- all, of the, all of the above. I go into agencies. I, I know a lot of things happen through recommendation as well. Like if you have, um, like my kind of bread and butter is commercial real estate. It just kind of keeps me shooting constantly it's not necessarily portfolio worthy, but it pays my bills. And so they recommend me to people that build and do other things or other leasing people. 
Um, so that's happened. Um, but yeah, so if I am, pres- if I'm going to an, a new agency, you know, I'm going to show that, I mean, obviously pro- architecture is the predominant thing on my website. I'll explain how I can use, you know, design, textures, you know, light and all these things in a grand scheme to, and apply it to something small and then have some, your work is what backs you up is the thing like, oh, okay, I shot these watches because they have, you know, the, the colors, the textures, and then I lit it this way because of the mood that I feel when I look at these watches is that's what they, you got to figure out those key words that you use to describe one thing. And then you're just using another visual example as another. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how I try to market myself that I can do more than one thing, but I do have a specialty. And I think that's important. You still want to have one thing that you're like mm-hmm. ballpark, like you're just going to knock it out of the park every single time. You don't have to think about it and you love it also is the thing. Some people love to shoot food. That's, that's their thing. I love to shoot. I love to shoot interiors. I love to shoot exteriors. I like to just stand outside and shoot a building while the sun goes down. That's my thing. Yeah. What, (laughs) what, what about that? Like drawing your interest and attention. I've always liked design. I've always liked, um, yeah, like design, just like I would look at, like, I love the repetition of things. I love graphic design. I love art. And it just kind of combined all of those things into one. Like, you know, you get, you can play with textures, you can play with light, you can do like, you can make it organic or not, even though it's, even though it's a square room, you can make it feel, you know, so many different, you can, I'm just trying to decide how I'm going to say it's like, you can just do whatever you want. It's all of the things in art that I can like, that I see basically without having to like draw something like it, yeah. it just it just satisfies all of the OCD things like I get to make the building straight I get to make uh-huh. every window like have the same gradient uh-huh. like it's just like weird things like that I don't know how to describe it like <laughs> I get it you know like all the sidewalk like I get to make the sidewalks look all the same and I get to make the trees look perfect like I get to it's like all the things that I kind of liked from graphic design I just get to do it in a photograph like I get to make it all perfect and make the curves mm. all straight like does that make sense yeah like it's, yeah 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 takes a takes a certain person to want to do that but yeah <laughs> I like it <laughs> yeah. so you're probably like pretty methodical it sounds like yeah I'm very methodical I would say it's definitely like a like everything must be straight. Like if it's not straight, like if one like thing is not straight, it's going to drive me nuts. Like I have so you have like a checklist or something you go through of like, here's like all like the things that I look for in photos before they're done. Mm-hmm. What do you do? What do I do? Your checklist. <laughs> so, well, when I shoot, you know, first of all, it's all 90% in the camera. We got to get as straight as we can in, in the camera first before you can straighten it in post. Very, I don't cheat very often. Like I try to, I level it. I have a little hot shoot level. And even if I'm using strobes or something like that, I'll put the level in, make sure I'm straight and then put my receiver back in there, put put it back in the hot shoot. So I'm making sure that all three planes that you see are straight as possible. So then in post, yeah, make sure it's still straight. 
you know, put, put guides up because sometimes, you know, we're human, we make mistakes and then clean it and like clean it, like make it, make it shine, make it shine. And then, yeah, then you can go in and play with your lighting. And then you, I like to blend different exposures together, even if it's natural and artificial light. And then, yeah, like bring back your windows, you know, turn down, bring back your lights, like, so you can see the light bulb in there, you know, turn down the highlights on the walls from the lights or just remove them completely. It's, um, it's kind of like, it's like painting almost like you just get to paint and remove what you want. And then you have this beautiful picture of an interior that looks like what your eye sees. That's always the goal. Like at the end of the day, I want it to be as natural as possible. Oh, so it's not, it's interesting. What's it's what your eye sees. Mm -hmm. I'm going for what your eye sees color. Ah, Like I'm a stickler for color. Because That makes sense because there's part of me. So I've, I've had this, this like internal, I don't call it turmoil Mm -hmm. or like back and forth over the years, specifically when it comes to architectural Mm -hmm. photography, because I would see people pulling like plugs off the wall or vents off oh, the I ceiling. Do that. Yeah, I do but that. I mean, when I do it, if I was shooting stuff, I kind of would too, because it's like you want it to look nice and clean. Yeah, you want but it to. But there's be also clean. part of me that's like, yeah, but it's not realistic to the space. You're gonna walk in the space. Oh, I'm gonna and remove gonna, all of that, um, and you're but, not gonna even realize it is a thing. It's not gonna even bother you. Right. Because, but, but to your point, mm-hmm. that it's like you're doing what your eye sees. Mm-hmm. And I when wanna, I walk in a room. While if I walked in that room and compared to that photo, I'd be like, wait a minute, there are plugs here and they aren't in the photo. If I walked in the room, though, I wouldn't be like, oh, there are the plugs. Yeah, exactly. Like I wouldn't see them. Or like you look at an image and you're like, is the room really that big? And then you walk in there and you're like, no, it's really not this big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we don't. You can correct for that as well. You can fix that in post. Like you can... You you keep the warmth, like that's something that bothers me as well is that people, they just remove the warmth from spaces. And I'm like, but if you live, if you actually live there, like, don't you, like, especially if it's somebody's house, don't you want it to be a little warm? Like, you don't want it to be just colorless. No, just white. Just white. Perfectly pure white. I mean, yeah, I do that too. I'm guilty as charged as well. Yeah. It's called white balance for a reason. Yeah. Got a score down there. Yeah, we've got puppies here in the studio right now, and one of them is snoring mighty loudly. <laughs> Get it, Gwen. Yeah. Get that nap. Yeah, he's getting it for sure. <laughs> uh, so do you find that most of your work comes from like inbound stuff, or are you reaching out to people like outbound? I would say right now where I'm at, it's 50-50. It's both. I send so many emails. I send so many emails because I am going to remind you that I'm here. Like I'm here and I send a lot of emails. And so I would say that it's 50-50, like inbound, you know, I'm a part of Wonderful Machine, which is kind of like a, it's a local um, production source. I would say they, you can source um, photographers, production needs, anything um, in most major cities in the U.S. So I have that and that's like kind of my inbound, like, you know, people coming to my website and finding my work through a a source like that. And then the rest is just me harassing everybody, as I say, like, I mean, I send so many emails. I wish I could, 
I'll have to like add it up for you after this, just so you can know how many emails I send. What? (laughs) So like if you send an email, what are you saying? It depends. So I track all my emails um, and I see who's opened my emails, how many times they've opened it based on when I've sent it. So it depends. It depends on how many times you've read my email. It depends on if you've responded to me or if you've never opened my email or where I'm at in that like organic relationship, I would say, just like depending on who it is. So I just, I keep track. I have this like crazy spreadsheet and I just like keep track of like people who have responded to me, who have looked at my work at least, who, you know, never responded, who never even opened it, who, or maybe it bounced, you know, maybe something like that. So I like keep this document, this like spreadsheet of all this information. And so depending on where I'm at in that relationship, it depends on how I email them. You know, sometimes it's just like a reminder. Like, I'm just like, Hey, like, remember we had this conversation about this and that. And I just was following up to see, you know, where we're at or whatever, or, Hey, like I have some new work, like come look at my new work. You know, it won't be like an e-blast because I feel like they might unsubscribe like real quick if you aren't mm-hmm. wanted to be on a mailing list. But, you mm-hmm. know, I can be like, hey, like, you know, I, I want to touch base with you. I haven't heard from you in a while. Like, here's some new work. You know, at least, you know, just kind of keep keep a dialogue going. And like, especially but like if somebody's never opened my email, I'll just send them my first email. It's like, hey, like, this is me. This is my work. I invite you to look at my work. Um you know, I would love to meet in person and, um, you know, show you my work as well, if that's a possibility, and then go from there. Um, so it just kind of depends on where where I'm at with certain people, because I keep track of, like, that kind of stuff. That's cool. What, what, like, tools or resources are you using to organize that and to, like, manage? And how do you know, like, both open them or, like... Any of that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, so the mail tracker I have, it's pretty good. Um, it's with Google Chrome and it's a mail tracker and you can pay to have like the premium one. It's like 50 bucks for the year or something like that. So it's nothing. And it keeps all that information for you. It'll like, it has this little spreadsheet and I have my own also. Um, just so I can also, because it kind of gets hard to find like the unread stuff. It'll just get kind of lost in there. And it's just like, okay, well, if you haven't read my email, then... Maybe there's something else anyway. <laughs> like maybe, <laughs> maybe there's a bigger issue. But um, yeah, I just kind of keep track of all, all that stuff. And um, it's just kind of something I decided to do to be more personable is the thing. You know, like, oh, okay, if I can keep track of that, then maybe it makes me seem more personable. And then yeah, like, you want to meet can, them where they're at. Yeah, exactly. And so you, you, that's yeah. that's kind of how I go about it, I would say. It's just... It takes time. It takes up a lot of time. So much time. Yeah. So many emails. I mean, what percentage do you think of the time you spend is on stuff like that versus actually shooting or editing? 40%, I would say almost. Because like, I mean, I'm in the beginning of my career right now. I need to be just like <laughs> showing that I can produce high quality work without the clients necessarily. You know, I can produce high quality work without somebody behind me and that I have the drive to do it. And that, yeah, there's, there's that you have also the client testimony as well, even though it might be small, but here's, you know, I'm still cranking out work. I'm testing, I'm still being creative. And that, so that is my, 
that's kind of what I try to push to people. That's kind of like where I'm at right now. I'm in, you know, I'm not, I'm not 10 years into my career. And how, far, how far are you? Anna? Five years. Five years. You said five years. Before. Five okay. years. So it's like, I'm at this point where I'm still, I'm still new on this scene. You know, I have to just present myself the best that I can and try to find my slice of the cake, like we said earlier. So it's. Yeah. It can be difficult sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> that's wild. I've never, I haven't talked to anybody that's like, that, that goes to that level of communication to like manage that stuff. I've kind of tried to build some stuff out along the lines of that a couple of years ago. And it just, like you said, it's so much to manage it. it. So oh much my time. gosh. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like yeah. I spent so much time doing this. Yeah. Like, and then this like, is so a job in itself. I, you know, and I've paid wonderful machine and, you know, I have other like agency type services that have provided me with potential lists of clients, you know, without just basic Google searches and stuff like that. Try to find more focused local clients and um, even, you know, to, you know, try to show your book and, you know, just when you don't have somebody like a true rep, I would say that manages all of that office stuff for you. Yeah. Like you have to find that balance then in your, your work life is the thing until, you know, maybe one day you're at that point where you can't have somebody manage that for you. But <laughs> that is the great catch 22 of photography. Yeah, so yeah. That is the great. Well, it's tough because so much of the, at least for me, so much of the business is built on the relationship. Yeah, of course. That people have with me emailing them. Yeah, of course. And so it's like, well, I kind of want to offload this to somebody else. But then the whole thing that it's built on is now yeah. it's a relationship with somebody else and it's not me. And I'm like, oh, fuck, how do I? Exactly. It's, yeah, it's a balance. It's like a fine line, you know? So how long have you uh, been with Wonderful Machine? In April, I think it'll be two years. Okay. What was the process like for you to get on with them? <laughs> okay, I'll be honest. So I have these days, just like everybody else, I have like this like week, once a month where I have like a mental breakdown almost. And I just like freak out and I'm like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Like, why, what did I do wrong to somebody else? Like, did I say something? Did I do something wrong? Like, did I not like calibrate my monitor and the colors are off? Like, is it something stupid like that? And I have these freak outs and I start to doubt myself and I start to feel bad about myself. And I'm just like, all grumpy. And my husband's always like, you do this every month. You don't need to do this, but I still do it. And then I was like, I have, I was at a point where I was really proud of my work and I was very, um, like I am now. I'm, I feel like I'm very comfortable right now and I, I feel good and I feel like I can grow still. And I was like, I'm just going to reach out to them. I'm just going to go out on a limb. Like I've been shooting some small agency stuff. Like I'm, I'm doing it like, you know, I'm doing my own thing. I don't have to assist anymore. I don't have to do other stuff. And um, I emailed them and then they emailed me back and I was just like, what? And then I just did it because like, I also needed exposure is the thing. Like I needed more people to get to my website. Mm -hmm. That's like half of the battle. And yep. so that's how, that's part of the reason why I did it. I was just like, I just did it on a limb and they said yes. And so it's, it's an application process, right? You it's, apply, and then if you get accepted, it's a yes. It's like, it's like a couple, monthly, couple hundred bucks a month, something like that. Four hundred less bucks, than two hundred, less bucks. than one hundred fifty, yeah. something like that. One hundred fifty. Yes, yeah, like about hundred something, hundred eighty something, hundred ninety something. Did 
Did you have to go through any sort of a rebrand or anything before they would accept you? No, I had done a rebrand um, when I was about two years out of school. I had decided I needed something more and I sourced locally from my classmates that I went to school with and I had somebody rebrand for me and he just did a great job is the thing. He took his time and he gave me a great brand and a great identity and um, I have a letterpress client that I was able to work with for trade to kind of help me, you know, get the stationery and other side of my brand um, kind of launched. And so I was kind of in a good point that way that I didn't have to do that. But they do. I mean, they're a consulting agency as well. They have yeah. all well, sorts, of, sorts of services. So. Part of the reason I ask is because um, I applied for them mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, probably a year and a half maybe. And I'm trying to remember exactly what they said. I think it was something like your stuff's not bad. It's just not on brand with the stuff that we represent more or less. Mm -hmm. And that there was some stuff they would like to see like kind of elevated or tightened up before Mm -hmm. they would want to accept me. Mm -hmm. And I think if I remember right, Wade got a similar response. Really? And he actually worked with them and they helped him like flesh out his stuff to yes. where he is now. And so part of me was wondering if you had had that or, or what, if been able to like walk through any of that stuff, but it sounds like you already no, had your I felt stuff like I was like, beforehand. I felt like I was in a good spot at that yeah. point. And like my portfolio was super strong too. Um, I had just been testing and shooting as much as I could. And like, you know, most of the stuff that I was getting paid for to shoot for wasn't stuff I could put in my book necessarily. It's not pretty. So you got to get out there and like test. A dentist office or something like Yeah. Yeah. It's like an office. Yeah. Like I can't put that in my portfolio. I need a really pretty office if I'm going to put it in my portfolio. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, you know, I had to, I was testing like I do now. I test at least once a month and um, I was just pushing myself super hard to have the kick-ass portfolio that I always wanted because that's the only way you're going to get it is if you do it. So and then I did it. And so I, I, my main goal with Wonderful Machine was just to get more traffic to my website, just to have somewhere else, you know, to have, to funnel people to my work potentially. At least somebody's looking at it. You know, they might not hire you, but they might remember you. Mm-hmm. So and they might have somebody at some point that's looking to yeah. hire. I don't know. Uh, what, um, dang, what was I going to ask you about? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, oh, what you mentioned that you do a lot of testing. Can you explain what that is? Yeah. So testing is just like, think of it. It's just like if you're any sort of artist and you just want to, like, you want to paint on Sunday, like, and you just paint a painting. Yeah, I just want to shoot some food and I shoot the food. Well, I'll find a stylist and we'll come up with some ideas, come up with like eight shots to do in a day and we'll shoot whatever product, food, interiors, furniture, anything. Rent a studio, rent, shoot in somebody's house, do anything just to create fresh images or just like maybe I'm testing even for a job and I'm going to like shoot a job a certain way. I'll rent the equipment like two days before and I'll like, set up all the lights, how I think I want to light something just to test and see if it works and then make sure that it works. So that way 
you know, when you're on the job, you're not like freaking out as much. Like you might, something still <laughs> might go wrong and you still might be sweating like to the inner core of your body, but at least you try to, you know, to be ahead, you know, yeah, you try, yeah. To, you try to be prepared yourself. a little bit for it. But that's also what testing is. And it also, it gives you a space to be freely creative as well. Like, you know, whenever you are on an ad, ad agency job, like you're producing their work. Yes, it might be creative and you might like it for your work. I mean, for your book or whatever, but at least like this is something that I 100% created. Like, this was my idea and it came like it came to life. Like I made yeah. it, I made it a thing. So got to do the thing you wanted to do yeah. the way you wanted so to there's do also it that. any like. Yeah. And anything. you just learn things also still. Mm -hmm. So, and you can learn to work with different people still. Like I test with different stylists and different people. So it's, um, it's always, you're just like continuing the learning process as I like to say, since, you know, you don't have an instructor or somebody being like, you must do this. Like you need to go and learn how to do this. Like you need to learn how to light with these kind of gels and figure out what you're going to do for this job. And it's kind of just like self-guiding at least. Like, yeah. got to keep the learning process. Yeah, yeah, trial and error. Like you might think that, oh yeah, I'm like, I thought like I was going to light this makeup stuff. I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the grids on my lights and make it really moody and like a spotlight and just like it's all black product and it's silhouetted from the black background. I was like, I know what I'm doing. I can, I know how to light this. No, I get, we get to testing and like the physics, like the, my physics was off. Like I needed to scoot the light way further back in order to have that itty bitty little shadow. Like my physics, like when I had first thought about it was off, like all the math was wrong. And so I had to readjust and like be like, no, like you, this isn't working. And like, this is how it's going to work then. Like you have to, you're figuring out the problem solving also right. is the thing. So, and you're in a space that's safe. And so nothing's going to happen to you. <laughs> right. You, you have more time. It's not yeah, mission critical no pressure. so much. Yeah, there's no pressure. Uh, you mentioned that it makes you so you're like less nervous on on set. Do yeah. you get nervous shooting still and going out on jobs? Sometimes, much? yeah. It just depends. Like it depends on the client. Like you know, and especially like which part of client is there and stuff like that. And you just want things to run smoothly always. So, um, yeah, I always just I mean, yeah, I get a little anxious just because I want everything to just want all the lights to work. I want everything to just like sync up correctly. I want the camera oh. to just connect to the laptop and stay connected. Oh like, you know, like I want the tethering to like always work and just like not have to well, worry about it. it. Work. Yeah, like, yeah, you just want it. I just always want it to go smoothly <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> tethering, dude. Yeah. That's one thing that, oh. fuck. Yeah, I don't understand where it's 2019. Yeah, I even like bought a fancy cable from a fancy USB-C computer because, you know, you that's the leading USB in the world, apparently. So. It's pretty awesome. It, <laughs> it is. is, but not with my old camera. Yeah, but it's like we're <laughs> like we haven't got I can't tether and like make it work by now. Like, come on. I mean, Lightroom and Capture One, so, I get angry at both of them. So people, some of them people are like, what in the world are they mm -hmm. talking about? Tethered shooting is like connecting the camera to the computer and shooting yes. directly to the computer where you can. So you can preview the image. Yes. yes. Do editing on the fly, kind of stuff like that yes. to see what things are going to look like. And for years, 
when I have tried to connect my Canon 5D Mark III to Lightroom. Oh, yeah, that's the same. It you have just the same doesn't exist. Yeah. It doesn't show no, up. Then it's you have like, to click the drop-down menu, and then sometimes it'll show up. I've never, like, for the last four or five years, every time I've tried it, it hasn't worked. So I just quit trying. It might work. It may have worked for the last two I years. Have the but same I just one. haven't. Yeah, I have like, the same problems, yeah. Like, this is stupid. Yeah, that's always what I'm freaking out about as well. So I tether when I test as well, just to make sure everything is syncing correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so use phase one then? I use Capture One. Capture, yeah. or Capture One. Yeah. Capture one. I use both. Um, it just depends. I will tether to Capture One usually, and then I'll just like edit in Lightroom and Photoshop right. later. That's what I would like, do too. I mean, like when I shoot at JCPenney or like stuff like that, yeah, we're shooting in Capture One. Like you have Capture One always. And I mean, I was thankful that I was even taught Capture One in school. It's kind school. of industry standard for some of it that is, stuff, right? It is And industry. part of the reason is because it works. Yeah, I used to have like this like certification, phase one certification BS, you know, like Ooh, to fancy. try to make me a fancy digital tech. And I mean, you can be a digital tech or you can be a photographer, wherever you want to spend your money. Like, honestly, like. Yeah. So, <laughs> wherever you want to be. Yeah. There's a piece of the pie for you yeah, in that like, thing I'll just be a photographer somewhere. for the same amount of money. So, <laughs> so then when, at some point, like, uh, you mentioned that you started working with Wade mm -hmm. out of college. Mm -hmm. And then from there, um, I guess whenever we started talking about that, I'd ask you, did you, like, once you figured out cost of doing business and you were like, kind of like, hey, here's what I need to be charging. I was wondering if you like were able to stick to your guns on pricing and you were like, well, I kind of started out with Wade and kind of like yeah. eased in. Was there ever like, when did you start having your own projects? And at that point, did you, uh, cause I know for me, like for example, for mm -hmm. part of the reason I ask is I'm curious your experience with this. When I first started out, I learned about calculating the cost of doing business and all that stuff. And so I'd figured up what my day rate needed to be, mm -hmm. but I had a hard time actually sticking to it because I would like drop prices sometimes in order to try to get jobs. Yeah, definitely. And so, but it was, but after doing that for a couple of years and then like taxes started to catch up with you or like you're having to use a credit card to yeah. pay for bills or whatever. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. Thankfully, thankfully I feel like I was also able to be freelance a lot easier than other people because I have a plus one. I I got married shortly after I graduated from college. And so my husband has always had a full-time job. And so I haven't had to like necessarily worry about like at least all of like the regular bills are paid. Like I'm very fortunate in that sense. I mean, he was a teacher and now he's a reporter, but it's still a solid paycheck twice a week that comes in no matter what. So I've, that is also, I think, why I've been able to be more successful for sure. Um, but like when you're assisting and you get out of school, like, I mean, to work for $175 a day, it just like eats you inside, but you have to do it. You have to do it. Nobody's going to pay you full, full rate fresh out of school. So yeah, you have to, you have to give and take. And even now I give and take just so I can work. Just so like I can do something like sometimes I know that money like isn't necessarily like my client's fault. They're just a middleman, you know, right. they're, they're just being an agency. It's not their fault that they don't have money. You know, it's their client's fault. So you kind of you work with them so that the next time hopefully they'll throw you a bone, you know, and they'll 
they'll pay you what they're supposed to pay you the next time. But they know that they're that you're giving them a break also. So, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I had to work my way up to a full rate and, you know, now it's, I, I did my cost of doing business and I struggled because I thought it was too high. <laughs> but it's not. It's the thing. Like, it's your, there's no way that it's costing that it's much. It's your time. No, no. Yeah. It's your time yeah. is the thing. So, I mean, I ran into that last week. I showed up to a job and to shoot, like I was supposed to, it was supposed to be a half day and um, like eight images. That was it. And um, the construction, I was supposed to just be able to edit out like construction cones. Like that was it. I literally show up and there's like dirt everywhere. Like they haven't even like built the bays out and all of the bays. There's just like porter potties everywhere and just like people littered all around the site. And I was like, I called them. I'm like, uh, we're not shooting today. Like, so what are we going to do? Like, you know, I've never, I'd never encountered that before. I'd never shown up on site and then like not been able to shoot anything because like, I mean, I can Photoshop a lot, but like, there's no way I was going to be able to like. I mean, I could, but you're going to pay for it. You're like, dude, this is going to take yeah, the so re- long. Yeah, the retouching like, no, is going to be dude. ridiculous. And so, but I mean, I ended up just shooting photos that didn't show of everything that ended up being what I would have charged, like a kill fee, like a half, half of the rate that was promised, you know? Yeah. I ended up working at that out with them. You know, I explained to them because they were like, oh, well, if you just do these two shots and then wait till dusk, is it still half day rate? And I was like, yeah, I'm still out here for five hours. Like, that's still half a day worth of work for me mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how many images like it's the amount of time I'm spending on it just to be there and shoot it so you know I had to explain that to them and you know we had to work it out and it did work out we were everybody was happy but you know I don't think that they even necessarily understood that so mm-hmm. what's uh you mentioned kill fee what's that like if you it's like less than 24 hours before and they cut the shoot it's just like, hey, this it's is like what it's you're canceled. Me, yeah, like we're not doing it. So you are expected to pay fifty percent. Then it's in my contract. Okay. Yeah. What else do you do, like contract wise? Um, I always so personally, I always add credit card fees because I will not eat that up. If you want to pay with a credit card, their client has to eat that fee. You know, it it is like three percent or whatever, depending on if you use Square, PayPal, Venmo, whatever. Right. You know, but. I will not eat that fee. I ate that fee one time and I was like, why am I doing that? Like, this is stupid. <laughs> I was like, all you can do is just add one sentence and then you don't have to worry about it. Um, I do also keep my estimates valid for 15 days. Um, anything longer than that, I ask, do you have to request for a new one? Because things change so often Yeah. Um, that it just, it keeps keeps it fresh is the thing. You don't have to worry about it lingering on, you know, you can just be like, oh, it's done. And if they really want to work, then they'll come then back. they'll come and do it. If not, then they'll come they... and do it and be like, oh, because they actually read the terms of use and be like, we need a new estimate. Just can you change the date on it? Like, we like everything. Good. Like, that's all I ask is so both sides are on the same page then. Like, yeah. you're protecting both of your sides. Right. Plus, I feel like whenever you start, like, whenever you give a proposal, at least for me, mm-hmm. I'm already mentally kind of like preparing to block off time for it. Right. And yeah. so if they delaying, 
other stuff might come through the door and I can't like all of a sudden necessarily be like, oh, cool. Like, mm -hmm, definitely. It might be delayed a little bit or different, you know, I mean, circumstances. yeah, to put together, like I recently put together an estimate for what would be three full days of shooting. It almost took me all day to put that bid together with doing all the research and because it was out of town and figuring out what I would need to rent and like how much time would be spent on everything. Like, you know, it, it took me almost a full day to put that together and then to have somebody that I trust, you know, look at it as well. Mm -hmm. um, like I work with a producer sometimes that will just like verify, just like look at my estimate and make sure like I'm on point for this job. Okay. You know, sometimes that, you know, you have to pay them still, but that's in hopes that you get the right. big agency job is the right. thing. So it's, it's, so it's, it's costing you money. To yeah. Do this stuff too, yeah. So I mean, and yeah, just to account, sit yeah. there and put that all together and research hotels and find assistance and find out what people would pay for somebody from out of town and, or, you know, maybe rent in town versus bring, you know, renting here in Dallas and driving with gear you know, there's all sorts of different factors that um, go into it. And you're also trying to decipher some generic sentence, you know, from an agency like, oh, we want X amount of pictures for this. And, you know, you have to figure out how fast do you work? Like what logistically can you finish in a day? How fast can you turn it around? How are you going to deliver it? Are you going to give them a flash drive? Well, you're, they're going to pay for the flash drive and just not know it. You're going to put it in that estimate though. You know, like you gotta, Yeah. it takes time. Whenever you, with the, you mentioned that the credit card fee that mm -hmm. you, that, that they pay for that, how do you just like automatically charge it out, right? Assuming they're going to pay card. How do you, um, I have that? it in my estimate. It's like all credit card fee, all credit card payments are subject to fees or something like that. And if they ask if they can pay credit card, I try to find out if there is or isn't a fee because it's like, like on PayPal, if it's under $300, I feel like there's not a fee, but cause, um, yeah, I think maybe, I don't know. I think that there actually is a fee. I'm not sure. But anyways, I try to find out. And then if not, and if there is a fee, I say, this is what the fee is. It's like, you know, $50 or whatever. So it's, I'm going to have to resend you a new invoice and add the credit card fee on there. Okay. So that way, whenever I, you know, transfer the money, like I'm going to get it. So, you know, then they're like, no, 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 we'll send you a check. So, <laughs> and it's fine, which is better in the end for both ends again, because you can, you know, it's easier, but. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 That's kind of been my mode of operation too. Uh, I, there are a couple of them. I'll admit that I don't, that I just like will eat the cost of it a little bit for, yeah. but it's also like clients that are like long standing and like long they've been standing. around can I use card? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. You're going to be paying interest on this for a little bit, potentially. Yeah. I'll pay a little, a little bit on the credit fine. card fee. Hire me again. Yeah. It's fine. Also another thing that I do, which I wasn't told until recently. And I think that this is just something every photographer should do is that in your copyright agreement, you should always retain the right to um, use whatever images are produced for self-promotion at least, and that you can use them for web. So one, one that you can use them on your website and then two that you can use them as self-promotion, you know, use it in a postcard, use it for this, use it as a thank you note, use it for whatever. Um, I really didn't think about that, about that until I put together an estimate and AT&T might be involved in the project and they're pretty strict about, you know, where 
you know, pictures of their spaces go. And so you can't just like throw them out there on the internet and you really can't post them usually. And so that was something that I've been fighting for in the, in the back and forth is to make sure that I can, all of us, even the agency can use, retain the right to use these images created um, for personal use, you know, for self-promotion, at least we all have something shiny that we can say, Oh yeah, we all did this project together. Yeah. And yeah, you know, at least we're all, you know, at least it doesn't just have to sit on your hard drive and you can never show it to anybody ever again. You know, like, yeah, you did it, but don't tell anybody, you know, <laughs> like photo or it didn't happen, but I, Oh, I know, like, but, but it is, happened. I know, Mike, but it happened. Oh, yeah, exactly. So I have a photo, but I can't show you, but you just believe me. Yeah, definitely. Note for all photographers, <laughs> like put that in there. So like, what, uh, how do you handle copyright stuff with, with projects typically? Oh, that's the worst. Um, you have claws in there for it. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, I'm not really super strict on it. I just, my contract is strict because it's like, since I shoot architecture and I deal with the weather and we live in Texas, like you never know what's going to happen. And so like, it's mostly just to back me up if like, yeah, if I, if it said that it was supposed to be sunny, like, you know, for a month and then I show up the day of and it's pouring and we end up canceling the shoot, like, I at least get some money out of it. And my, my time isn't completely wasted, but the copyright, like it's hard to get people to pay for copyright. First of all, it's hard to track copyright. It's hard to people to get people to understand what copyright means even sometimes. So those are the three things that I encounter the most. Um, most of the time it's just like for one year web use done. Like, I'm not going to really charge you anything for it necessarily. It just depends. Like if you're a small business and we're like, I'm a small business too. Like I get that you're already paying me so much money to like get these images because you need these images to sell your product. I'll give you a break on that. You know, like, I mean, I work with people just like people work with me. So, I mean, you know, but sometimes like, I have an architect and I'll have already shot a project and they'll be like, we pay X amount of dollars for copyright and we want to use these photos and this is all the money we have. Take it or leave it. So. So then at that point, it's like, well, I can sell these images again for, for this. Yeah. I can sell them for this because they don't care that I'm selling the images. Like. Who so cares? You, you retain all the copyrights yourself. Yeah, like yeah. versus like doing like mm -hmm. quote. Uh, work for hire. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I take, like, I took a picture of the Omni, of an interior of the Omni in Dallas and, um, you know, the flooring people might want that image. The light people hired me for the image, but the people that do the lacquer on the walls might want those images. Like, I mean, and you have to be flexible with those people is the thing. You can't just be like, this is it. Like, no more. Like, I'm not going to budge. Like, you're not going to have any clients and you're not going to make any money that way. <laughs> yeah. So if somebody say that you shoot something and one of the other vendors or somebody comes along and wants images, mm -hmm. how do you decide what the, the cost for those is? I always try to retain my day rate at least for a year's worth of web use. I try to retain the day rate the whole day that I spent shooting everything. I just try to retain that rate at least. And go from there. Okay. So basically you would just get repaid for the shoot mm -hmm. as if you did it over again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. I just, that's what I had been given advice on from a lot of my peers 
And so that's just kind of what I followed and it's worked out so far. Mm-hmm. Like anybody that's been like, if I've had an agency come to me and be like, yeah, we're going to shoot this project and they want to buy the, the images for X amount of dollars, blah, 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 you know, I mean for a year, but we don't know what that costs. That's the number I'm going to give them. And I can confidently like present that number, I feel like, and it's not going to scare them away. <laughs> Have you ever had where people wonder why you're charging them for it whenever? Yes, all the time. What do you tell them or how do you like, have I that conversation? S- I say um, because <clears throat> I like it's the internet. Like anybody can just like take my image and just download it and post it up wherever, you know, like it's to protect myself. I know that this is my content and that you can't just take it is the thing and that if you're going to actually use it, then you, you aren't, you don't just get the images because you paid me to take them. Like it's, I have to, you delicately explain that this is your, your product. It's just like inventing this microphone, you know, like you created this microphone and you don't want anybody else to recreate that or say that it wasn't yours or just steal it from you. So um, try to like put it that way. And that, this is why you need to pay it because then also every year I can make sure that you're not just like breaking my contract also and still using my images without paying me for like a longer copyright use. So, you know, it all goes together. (laughs) Do you have a decent amount of business that comes from copyright stuff or like, do you have like people that re up on their contract, their copyright contracts after they expire ever? Um, it's hard to say because this year was like the first year I've come into it the most. Like before, like, you know, I'll like, you know, I, sometimes I like throw shit out on Getty and stuff like that and have a, you know, I can sell stock from like vacation and stuff like that. But as far as like shooting something as for like an agency or something and then having an out, a third party come and buy the images for copyright, I've just experienced that mostly this year. So it'll be interesting to see next year what happens. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see if they're like responsible and are like, hey, we need to like renew this and like redo this or whatever, you know. But also it's interesting that sometimes like they paid for copyright for web. And then, like, I've been trying to find these images online. And you can't find them anywhere. I can't find them anywhere. Like, I'm like, I mean, what are you? Internal stuff, potentially. Yeah. So, which is fine as well. But, I mean, it's like, it's just like they asked for, I mean, it just could have been the option for web. But, yeah, I was like, I've just, you know, I'm always trying to find tear sheets. And tear sheets are like a, they're like an example of your work in real life. Like, if you had a billboard, then you can put it in your tear sheet section on your website. But, um. I'm always looking for new applications of my work and yeah, it's just weird. Like, you know, you paid for the copyright, but then like, where are the images? Like, where did they go? <laughs> Do you, uh, <laughs> so there's another photographer that I uh, remember talking to a few years ago that talked about how she, I feel like she would reach out to clients as the end of that copyright contract was just getting ready to expire to be like, Hey, so yeah, you renew? that's definitely my plan or like, shoot. And you keep yeah. up with that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Because it'll be like next spring, like March and April, I'll have a few of those contracts come up again. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. So. Maybe get some sort of business out of them again or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, or just to like, you know, if, I shot another project that they were a part of or something. You never know. Mm-hmm. It's um, 
it's all interconnected is the thing. Like you never know, especially like in architecture, it's, you have so many opportunities to like make money real quick, like to sell it to the light, sell it to the window person, sell it to the floor person, sell it to the light bulb vendor, sell it to the interior designer, you know, sell it to the, to the GM, like the, or the general contractor of the whole project, sell it to the architect, sell it to the, to the developer. I mean, there's so many opportunities. You just have, yeah. to, you just have to get them to, to acknowledge know, it. You know how to do that. Yeah, that's I know. The, I'm like, and then that sort that of comes into all the like yeah. 40, the forty percent of like the forty percent of emails. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, there's like some days like I just sit at my desk and I just like I forget to drink water because I'm just like sitting there just like <laughs> typing away. Like, <laughs> what uh, is there any other like stuff in your contract that you have? Or like, mm. how, like, how did you develop that originally? Um, have you heard of Blink Bed? No. Um, it's like a software. Um, I was introduced to it in school. Um, cause like, it was like a way to like teach you how to, it kind of creates templates for you. Um, based on, you know, like it already will have a template ready of your contract because you already made up the terms, blah, blah, blah. And then every time like you make an estimate, it'll just like, you just put in client's name, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. And it'll like formulate it and make it into a PDF for you. So this is where I got that contract from. It's mostly from there. And it was because my architecture professor introduced it to me when I was in school. And he was like, you should look at this because it covers weather and like all these other crazy things, like things that you might run into. So that was kind of like where I'd got the base of my contract from. Okay. Was there anything else in there? Uh, you mentioned the weather contingency stuff mm-hmm. and kill fee. Is there anything else in there that you feel like photographers should have, especially maybe specifically related to like architecture? I mean, if there's anything. I guess like liability. I mean, there's a liability section. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'm not liable if I break anything or whatever. But I also have a an insurance policy. So, you know, like that covers me. And if somebody works for me and covers rental equipment, it'll cover, you know, like if I'm in a building and yeah, like I break a window or whatever, like my insurance policy will cover that. So, and I have that specifically tailored to like what I shoot. So that's something I haven't even thought about. I don't know why I haven't thought about that. Talking about insurance on here. Mm-hmm. You're the first person I think that's brought that up. What do you, um, how do you go through for that? Um, T TCP. Um, I'm in the process of like doing a new policy. Um, so, um, yeah, they're super nice. Um, I think it's TPC or, and they're partnered with, what is it? RVC, I think. Um, I'll look it up here and I have it on my phone. Um, but yeah, they are super, they're, they are photographers insurance. So they understand what you do. And like you, whenever you fill out the application, it asks what, what kind of shooting do you do? Like architecture, are you out in the field? Like, what are you doing? Like, what are your requirements for this policy? You know, cause I frequently run into like, oh, you need like million dollar, you know, liability policy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I mean, like when I was first starting out and I started shooting this stuff, like I didn't know what that meant. Like, I didn't know. And so eventually like, you know, I, I learned and then yeah, like when you rent stuff, like you don't, if something happens to it, like you don't want to have to pay for that gear. Like, 
it's just a it's a nice like it's in, it's 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 insurance like it's mm-hmm. the scam of insurance so like <laughs> if something happens like your butt is covered like. <laughs> have you ever had uh, have you ever needed to use it no thankfully thankfully yeah it's just there well, I mean, like, no, I guess I didn't use it on that either. When I was like, when I broke my camera, I just paid for it myself. So, and with the Canon professional services, you get 20% discount. So <laughs> that's good to know too. Yes, that's good to know CPS, as well. what's up? Yes. Canon professional services, yes. not to be confused with the other CPS, yeah, child not, protection yeah, services. Yeah, not the child protective services. Protective. Yes, I, I agree. Um. Do you, do you just carry the insurance basically because of your clients then? Yes. And like I rent stuff and like, yeah, it's just to like, if something happens, then you're good. Like you're not worried. You have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if like, and if like somebody was working for me and something happened, like, you know, I don't have workers comp. I'm not even an LLC. So it's like. Um, what are you just sole proprietor? Yeah, just sole okay. proprietor. It's um, I mean, you get a bigger tax return is the thing. So um, for like based on where my husband is, like where we are, that's easier for us because we file together. Also, uh, so it's like I'm not filing separate because he has a real job, so it's easier that way. So okay, yeah, I just do whatever my accountant says. I'm not I'm not a, an accounting wizard, so. <laughs> I just, I keep track of my income expenses and mileage and I email her four times a year and she tells me what to pay and then we usually get a refund. So that's all that matters. <laughs> a little bit of something at least. That's cool. Yeah. Um, do you, you, so you outsource accounting. Is mm-hmm. there anything else? And you mentioned the wonderful machine stuff. Is there anything else that you want to like outsource or hire other people for? I mean, like I said, I use a producer every now and then, but I don't use it through wonderful machine. I use local. Um, so, I mean, I try to support locally when possible. I'll mm. hire local assistants. Yeah. And if I travel for a job somewhere, even here in Dallas, I hire locally. So it's like, just try to, I try to be as local as possible and maintain the outsourcing because that's expensive is the thing. So, you know, you can spend that on printing your book and other things like that you can outsource. But I try to keep it to a minimal just because like, I mean, we all have expenses, so yeah, <laughs> we all like, have lives. Like, I'm and, trying to keep the expenses down yeah, I mean, and like, the profits yeah, up. Yeah, try to keep the expenses down and the profits up. Like, spend it when it's needed and go from there. So, what, uh, we've talked about a lot of stuff, which is awesome. Is there anything that comes to mind that you think we ought to know about that I haven't talked about that you're like, man, a freelancer, like somebody new should know this thing about me or? Um, I guess like what Some I've knowledge get, bombs. Yeah, like I've given a few talks to at my at my college and one thing I always try to tell people is that like you don't have to be the photographer. There's so many ways that you can use what you learned and do so many things with it. You can be a stylist, you can be a food stylist. I mean, you can be a producer, you can be an art director, you can be a graphic designer, you can be so many different things and I feel like a lot of people and like, yeah, I definitely felt that pressure of like, I need to use this degree and be the photographer and blah, blah, blah. But also like, 
once you're out in this world, you realize that you can use uh, all those skills that you have in so many different ways Mm -hmm. and that you shouldn't feel pressured that if that doesn't work for you, that you should know that you should still be confident and you can still find something that you like potentially. So I just like always try to tell people that it's like, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. And there's always, there's so many different things. And you don't know that when you're in school, you don't know that like when you look at a plate of food or like a picture of a plate of food that is sitting on a pile of mashed potatoes at the very end of the plate. (laughs) And like, you know, they have hand selected the green beans to sit there in a certain way and the butter on top is fake and all this stuff. So on the steak, you know, like you don't know all these things and like, you don't realize like there's just so many different options. I mean, you could be a rep like the, they're incredible people because like they can look at your work and be like, you didn't like that. That's naturally lit. Like they can use all those different skills. And so that's my one thing to everybody. You can just, you can be whatever you want to be. Cool. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks this for having me. This has been a me. really great conversation. Yeah. What, uh, where can people find you and your work online? Uh, my work is at, um, <laughs> it's a long one. Um, www.jasmine, J-A-S. M as in mom, I, N as in Nancy, E, A, N as in Nancy, W, E, R, photography.net. And you can find me through Wonderful Machine as well, where you can find what you're looking for. <laughs> little plug for the Wonderful <laughs> little plug, Machine. Little plug there, yeah. A Wonderful Machine. It is, apparently. Yes, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, I have links you. to her stuff, as I do always, for all the guests in the show notes. And uh, if you found this interview or any other ones particularly helpful, I'd love it if you'd send me a message, leave me a rating, a review, email me, anything to let me know and to help others know. And uh, if you don't mind giving this a share, if you find it helpful too, that would be really helpful because maybe there's somebody else that would benefit from hearing this or just enjoy it. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for listening and I'll be with you next time. Freelance Freddy is a VKC production. VKC is a freelance content creator based in the United States and available worldwide. VKC. Big production value, freelance, agility, and scale.